0: Hey there, welcome back to the Monkey Business Show. I'm Aaron. This is the fourth episode of the pre-recorded shows that we did back in December of 2020. If you're somehow listening out of order, there were three episodes that we released before this one. So go back, catch up. We are dropping brand new episodes starting the first week of February. So come along with us. Listen to the show develop. I think it'll be interesting for you. This one is complicated. There's no other way to put it. Richard Duan is our guest, and he's a former member of the Chinese Olympic math team. In other words, way too smart to be talking to me. Fortunately, Richie and Eric can kind of keep up with them. We're talking about high-frequency trading and algorithms, certain things that give people an edge. Speed is always a factor. So, sit back, enjoy, learn something. Welcome into another episode of Monkey Business. I'm Aaron Hodges along with Eric Salzman and Richie Bennett talking all things financial. There's a lot of news going on here. Congress is saying there might be a stimulus slash recovery package on the way, possibly before uh, Christmas time. And Robin Hood is in the news. And also, we're going to get into high frequency trading with our guest Richard Duan later on. Let's welcome in Eric and Richie. Eric,
1: um, since we last got together, uh, the the markets, um, you know, stocks have continued to set all time highs nearly nearly almost every day. And it's interesting that the, the Fed. So the Federal Reserve met yesterday, and that's um, they call that the Federal Open Market Committee. That's every six weeks the Fed meets, and that's very important. And they met yesterday, and um, you know, the Fed's attitude is that uh, the, next, the next six months, it'll be very difficult. I think everybody sees that. But they have they have a pretty sunny outlook on the second half, or at least the last quarter of 2021, um, which is what the uh, the market... So, basically, the the Fed seems to be aligned, um, you know, going back to what Richie's always said, that the stock market kind of looks at six months, nine months down the road, not today. Um they're kind of in line they don't, you know, with, with how the, the equity markets feel. Um, the caveat that I would give is this. I always, I always have to have a caveat. And um, the Fed did say we need significant federal stimulus to get through this next few months. And uh, right now, as we know, Congress is battling over a stimulus package. So the caveat I would give is this, because a lot of times what you'll see is the market will rally go up every time they talk about there being positive movement in the stimulus package. But this stimulus package ain't the stimulus package I was passed last March. That was a three, almost a $3 trillion, the CARES Act. And that one provided the payment protection program, the loans that uh, they made to small businesses. That thing, I think, had $600 billion in it available. And they, they went now granted a lot of money went. some money went to the wrong places
2: and Friends in high places. I mean, we had to places. bail out
0: Tom Brady, man. We had
2: yeah. to bail out. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, that yacht ain't well, cheap. That yacht is not cheap.
1: So, but they still put out $521 billion. And so even if 10% of that got skimmed, which is probably right, <laughs> a mere 50, that's a lot of money that got into the right hands. Um, they also had the stimulus checks of twelve hundred dollars one time payment plus five hundred per kid. Now they're talking about six hundred. They had the um, enhanced un- um, unemployment uh, benefit of six hundred dollars a month in the last one. This one they're talking like three hundred. Um, state and local aid is going to be pretty. They're, they're kind of battling between that and employer liability. Um, the Republicans want the you know employers. So like if you know Amazon or um, or Tyson Foods. If people get sick on the job, they can't sue Tyson for having an unsafe work environment. So the, that's the Republican. And then the, the, the Democrats want aid to the states, um, significantly, like five, six hundred billion dollars. And that's probably they're probably gonna leave both of those on the side. So the, the long story short, or short story long, is the stimulus package that somehow the markets get excited about, it's nowhere near the last one. And a lot of it isn't even new money. Like most of it is money that's left over from the other, the CARES Act, that's just going to be repurposed. Yeah. So this is a, a very skinny bill. It's, um, something,
0: so it's something that's good, but it feels like a band aid that's not even covering the whole wound.
2: Yes. When the CARES Act came out and people were making $600 on top of their unemployment check, there was some stat that said like 85% of people. It was like some incredible number. 85%, I think, were making more than they were if they went to work. So, say you're getting, say you make 35 grand, 40 grand a year, and you get 400 bucks, let's say, in unemployment a week. And then this 600 came on top. So that's 1,000. Now you're making 52 grand to sit home. Well, guess what? When they reopen things, a lot of people didn't come back to work, right? And now that's stopped. So, people are happy to come back to work so that maybe this 300 on top of the unemployment isn't so much that people say i don't want to work you know right. if they can if they can certain jobs are still permanently well at least for now permanently closed and you know richie's richie's a conservative and i'm i'm a
1: i'm a communist so i'll <laughs> i think
0: you meant to say communist <laughs> <laughs>
1: the, the opposite sides of that argument as i tell I, uh, I i argue with my friends is that maybe people aren't making enough money <laughs> like, right right if you Should stay be. home to the extra 600 bucks maybe you know what maybe we need that 15 dollar an hour minimum wage, livable wage but that's you know an argument for another day mm-hmm. um last, last couple of things uh, just to show how while the market is right now. So check this out. And we're gonna have a we're gonna have a Bitcoin expert on, on another show soon. Bitcoin since the beginning of November is up seventy one percent. Seventy one percent it's climbing today. Long it's long had long. A bunch, yeah, we've had a bunch of IPOs. DoorDash came out and the first day the stock went up eighty five percent. So the markets are really, really um, you know very 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 frothy here. Um, but Used to argue? Because, you know, they, they keep going up. Um, and uh, yeah, that's just um, the way it is right now. So everybody is, I said, looking past the next, you know, six months of just really hard times and the vaccines rolling out. And God hope that keeps going and uh, and then looking for a better, uh, better time at the end of 2021.
0: What's the feeling on cryptocurrencies? How has that evolved since when we first started hearing about it till now?
1: Well, what's interesting now is that, um, so one of the most famous investors of all time is a guy named by the name of Paul Tudor Jones. Um, not to be confused with John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. Uh, Paul <laughs> Tudor Jones. And Paul Tudor Jones came out, I think a, maybe a year ago, maybe a few months ago. It's hard with COVID to remember what, what day or month it is. Sure. Um, but he came out and he, he accepts, he's like, yeah, but, but cryptocurrency is the future. Like, you know, Maybe Bitcoin isn't the answer, but they're going to they're going to get this and they're going to figure it out. And he's a, and a lot of institutional money and institutional for the you know kids. Think of yourself as retail. If you're an individual institutional money managers, hedge funds, they've been buying. And um, and so there's a lot of there's 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 becoming more and more acceptance to to cryptocurrency is this is going to be. This is going to be with us, and it's going to be worth something.
2: Uh, The other person that's been big, uh, people may have also heard of George Soros. Well, his right-hand man for a long time was a guy named Stan Druckenmiller who set out on his own, but he's been chomping away at Bitcoin, saying it's the new thing. It's the new thing for a long time. So he must be making tons of money on this stuff. He kept buying it when it was dropping, kept buying it. And there's another guy named Ray Dalio who runs the biggest fund in the world who was negative, negative, negative. But I did see the other day where he said, I could, be, I could be swayed maybe. So he must have heard something that made him think, hmm, this could work. So when people hear those kinds of stories, guess what? Everybody's in their run. Now, the only thing I would say, and then we'll move on to Richie's, uh,
1: Richie's picks of the week, <laughs> um, is that I was, so I was reading yesterday about a hedge fund that's done fabulously well, and their biggest holding is Bitcoin. And my question, Richie, is like, well, what do you hedge that with? Like, you you know, like I mean, I, I guess you could hedge it with gold. Um, you could hedge it with, you know, just being obviously long the U.S. dollar, uh, things like that. You know, get long the dollar, but you know, you could have a crash of thirty percent in Bitcoin, and it's done it before. And the dollar ain't going up thirty like, percent. No.
2: I don't. And, and so- sometimes there's there's no. Reason and I wonder if that was just due to like liquidity, where like a lot of people were playing in it, and some big guy came in and sold, and the whole thing just tanked, and there would be no news, and I'd wow. be like, "What the hell is going on? Like, why? Why?" I'm looking at things, you know, like trying to figure out, like, why is that Bitcoin moving, and nothing else here? Yeah. So it's still kind of in, in its infancy, you know. Right. So liquidity Bitcoin. less. All but right. Clearly, clearly now people are buying because yep. that thing is just rocketing. I have played in it and I have bought it and made some money on it but I haven't caught this wave, unfortunately. Illuminate us, Godfather. So let (laughs) me touch on the uh, frenzy of these IPOs, right? Here's a great story. This is always when you know things are getting a little nutty, okay? Airbnb also came the same the next day from DoorDash and did their IPO, and their stock went up from like 65 to 140-something. It's dropped now since then, but like, you know, instantly 100% in a day. More, 120%. So there was huge buying in an industrial company in Europe called ABB. And you know why that was?
0: Because people thought it was Because people messed
2: up the ticker on Airbnb <laughs> and thought the ticker was ABB. The ticker on Airbnb is ABNB.
1: And so that's that when you have certain that things are...
2: Little off that happened
1: with uh with Tesla too a few months ago. Yes, People are buying is it a TSLA? They're buying TLSA,
2: yeah, like, TLSA, and, and you'll it still see. Her. Buying- I, I have a chart, I have a um, I, we won't say who it is yet because they're not sponsors of the show yet, <laughs> but there's a good service that shows um, different gain gainers, losers, volume. It's all on one page on a website, and you, su- you can subscribe. They do give a free service. And all the time I laugh, it's like, it's like once every two weeks, you see, like, volume leader, T-L-S-A, and you have to look twice, and you're like, okay, that's not Tesla. Like, why, why is that stocking? Because some dingbat hit the wrong button or didn't know what was going on. i just like, get me that. Yeah, Tesla. Oh, wait, that's well, not Tesla. The,
1: the funniest thing about that, the Tesla one, was... So it was, some, I think it was some obscure, I can actually pull it up right now. It's some obscure uh, biomed company. Yeah. And, uh, and the, so the stock went up and the, the CEO was like, no, it's, it's Tanzania Life Sciences. That's what there we you said. Go. So the CEO was like, no,
2: wait, we're, we're still a great stock. Like, you know, come <laughs> on, like, don't sell. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if Musk, I wonder oh if Musk God. gave him a Tesla
1: it went from it went from a buck 60 to $12 now it's back to 2 bucks so but uh yeah that's that's the kind of stuff that happens
0: now would it's you that. recommend that as a trading strategy perhaps looking <laughs> <Yeah>. at <laughs> letters that look Great similar tickers. to the ticker get in on the dollar and hope that yeah. those ding bad stocks price up
2: is that a good Maybe. strategy yeah I, I i wish i had I didn't even think I had heard of this ABB company, but I didn't know what their ticker was. But next time there's a big one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. And it's I'm like you might as well, right? Might as well. And, and spread it. I'll, I'll, I'll inform everybody of my profits and losses in that, in that, that experiment. <laughs> but I think it's a good idea. We'll try it. We'll try it. Well, what are we looking so, at now? So what we're looking at now is we're trying to figure out, obviously, the vaccine is great news. Um, but if you noticed, and maybe you did, maybe you didn't, Pfizer, right? Pfizer's the company that was able to get it first through the door, and is distributing millions and millions as fast as they can. Pfizer stock is up two percent this year. Two S and P five hundred up uh, fifteen. So either what that's telling you is they truly aren't making big money on this vaccine, even though they're distributing billions and billions or whatever they're going to try, or People think it's so effective, maybe they made the drug too good. You know, like maybe it's so effective that, okay, once this thing is all distributed and every, you know, they say what, 80% of Americans could be vaccinated by the spring? Possible, if they want to. So maybe people are saying, okay, what happens next with Pfizer if the wonder drug for this pandemic is over? Now they look back to the, uh, you know, core business. And see, maybe there's not so much, but on that point, on that point, there is a stock that's burned me before it, it is a drug company. They are kind of behind. They've been a little behind on this whole pandemic vaccine thing, but they're still doing work, right? They're still trying to come up with drugs for other things. So like I was, you know, talking to people the other day and they're like, you know, X amount of people died from COVID yesterday. Hmm. How many people died from cancer? We talking, you know, how many died yesterday from a heart attack? Those kind of things have kind of like gone away. You know, it's like weird. But uh, there's a company called Gilead Sciences. G-I-L-D is the ticker. And it's kind of steadily just falling, even during this whole, like, move up. Everything, I don't know if it's because they're not the flashy vaccine maker or what have you. Uh, but they still make money. They they make a lot of money. They have a lot of different drugs for a lot of different you know diseases. So I'm going to try on that one. G-I-L-D, Juliet. Since we last spoke, a nice lesson for you folks out there in trading land. Remember when I shorted Tesla stock and Aaron was quick to tell people and everybody, uh, me, and including everyone else. I, I was just, I was I was just was,
0: reminding them of your previous statements.
2: That's right. That's right. You reminded them. And maybe it was... Karma, but it didn't go so well for me. Oh no! I'm now it went well, and right away, okay. two days in, it was good. But I, I, and I wasn't greedy. I was just watching it. It was going my way. All of a sudden, they get listed, named into the S and P five hundred. The stock sharply drives up to about. I think that one day it went from four hundred eight to four fifty five, and I was like, you know what? I don't like this at all. Took my lumps. Wasn't huge lumps. Took my lumps. But I was short the stock. So when you're short a stock, you can have unlimited losses. And guess what? All of a sudden, the next day, that stock went up another 50 points. The next day, it went up another 80. Now is it, where is it, like six something? 637. There you go. So am I sad that I lost? Yeah, sure. Am I happy that I cut my losses? You're damn right, because I would have been in big trouble, as are many smart guys out there in the world, smart guys. Guy named, a guy by the name of Jim Chanos has been um, short that stock for a long time. And he he's has been be long, wrong. long.
1: He's got to be losing his ass. I mean, he quit. Been- uh,
2: he, he, he cut it, I heard, the other day. But you know what? Uh, and there's another guy, Jeff uh, uh, David Einhorn, who's been a follower of the Monkey Business blog over the years. He's a pretty famous hedge fund. He was also short the stock pretty much a lot. I like him. I like what he does. He's a big value investor. Um, Musk, Musk would like torment him. Right? He knew that he was making money. And for Christmas last year, he sent him a pair of shorts. Like as in, <laughs> thanks for shorting my stock, you fool. Here's some shorts. Bro. <laughs> so he might want to wear those. Maybe Musk tells him again now, maybe you should wear those to the next meeting, virtual meeting you have in front of your investors. And they'll show you how wrong you are. But pretty funny. Musk doesn't miss a trip. There was a tweet the other day I saw. It was old. It was a local California politician who was very angry in the summer because Tesla kept going up and Musk was saying all kinds of stuff. And she wrote a nice F star CK Elon Musk. The next day, Musk reads this. He, you know, he's a big guy, but he probably caught his eye because she was a politician. And he says, Message received. That's <laughs> all so he wrote. Well, a couple months later, he took the whole gamut out of California and said, we're going to Texas. Yeah. Oh, I- <laughs> and guess what, lady? He took not only his tax-paying dollars personally, which are huge because he's now the second biggest richest man in the world, but all those nice paying jobs at Tesla sitting out in California in those factories. I have now moved to Texas or will be come this new year. So it's pretty interesting times. There's another stock, speaking of electric cars, that I do not like. Uh, it's a Chinese electric vehicle company. All right. The what don't you is, like about it? The ticker is, let me give it to you first, NIO, Nancy Indigo Oscar. Okay. NIO is much smaller than Tesla, right? They, they do make cars and they have some success in China. They're trying to expand to other countries, but they're almost like the opposite of Tesla where – Tesla's got a lot of other stuff going on. And they're allowed to build in China. They have a huge factory in China. So they're going to compete against this NIO. NIO, you know, does some stuff, but they they're not even like if Tesla's not very profitable, they this NIO is not profitable at all. Like, and it won't be for a while. So, you know, again, it's not, it's not the, you know, some would call it a cult stock, this NIO, whereas I would call Tesla a cult stock. Like a lot of kids that are listening to this program have definitely dabbled in Tesla and made lots of money, and God bless.
0: Yeah, that's but great. Elon could possibly take them to the moon if that's where the cult goes. That's right. Or Mars.
1: Or Mars. You know what I've been doing, Richie, just to have Aaron have fun every day, is I've been buying a share or two of Tesla every morning, uh-huh. uh, and then I just put a sell a clothes order in.
2: Uh-huh.
1: How's it going? I, just, I, made, uh, I made all $19 yesterday.
2: There you go. Congratulations. Today I'm up, today I'm up 5 <laughs> go to go. To, you can go uh, have a nice meal. <laughs> go out to lunch or something. All right. So are those the, are those the picks. I think so. We got the uh, short on nil, long Gilliad, g i l d. Let's see what happens. But I'm going to be putting those to use as soon as we get off this call. <laughs> so
0: I have my uh, uh, Hector uh, Salamanco bell here. Right. So. Oh.
2: We talked about yes. it.
0: Anytime something's over our over my head, I'm just going to ring the bell and have oh. you guys dial it back and explain it to me for the, okay.
1: the I'm going to tell you something funny. And as as we admit, our 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 guest, Richard, Wan is that Richard has his Ph.D. from MIT and he earned at age twenty six. Right. On. Physical, physical chemistry. That's Walter White. Like you're talking about Hector's he areas. <laughs> I guess that's hey, the are yeah. <laughs> <We're> talk- <laughs> intro. Is, is, is that a real picture behind you?
3: No, it's, uh, it's a virtual background. It's pretty cool,
0: though. <laughs> so I you're figure right,
3: you're already better than what I see outside of window. <laughs> you're already better than us with the technology.
1: Oh, <laughs> I just realized how to put the hat on. Um yeah. So yeah, so so we're talking about Hector Salamanca and, and Breaking Bad, and Richard actually, that's his PhD. His, his PhD is in physical chemistry, which is what Walter White did. So think of a think of a very nice Walter White, and you've got Richard. <laughs> but to introduce Richard. So R- Richard and I, I work together on a, a number of projects, and um, essentially, uh, when people ask me difficult questions or difficult tasks, I. Just call Richard. Uh, Richard, uh, is very accomplished in the world of, uh, of high frequency trading. He's a data scientist, a top notch data scientist. He builds models. Uh, Richard actually has his own. Um, and, uh, if, if, the kids have ever heard of it, um, these, uh, quant funds, uh, some of the, they just trade. And Richard, maybe you could tell us a little about what a quant fund is, but Richard has his own algorithm <laughs> that, uh, he's making and beating the S and P by, by quite a bit. And just an all-around great guy. And, uh, you know, we talking about Robinhood and, you know, they were fined their $65 million today for this is the payment for order flow if they didn't disclose to their customers. What's really fascinating is, you know, when, when people put you, when you put your order in on Robinhood or whatever, with E-Trade to buy a particular stock, what happens to that order from the time you hit the button to the time you get filled that could be taking milliseconds, but a lot of interesting things happen it can go a variety of different ways so it'd be great for you know just to talk about that a bit and then we can get into you know some of the things that uh people are concerned about such as you know the high frequency trading firms front front running the latency arbitrage so without further ado um know richard uh welcome aboard hey thank you eric before we do anything aaron did you want to ask richard a question about um about the the Olympics.
0: Well, yeah, Eric told me that you were in the uh, Chinese Math Olympics. What was that experience like?
3: It was competitive. I was um, I was somehow trained in a program that's called Special Class for the Gifted Young. So I entered college when I was fifteen year old, and prior to that, I was I, you know I, I was like. I know you can tell that I have a very competitive nature. But <laughs> well, you I wanted was. to make
0: sure you had the best background today, so yeah. you win. Yeah. You,
1: you weren't get on the show without that background.
3: <laughs> but I was, um, you know, I, I, I did well in school. That's sort of like my only one claim to fame. I, I was a captain of a basketball team that we won one game. Uh, that the other team didn't show up. Uh, and, uh, uh, but otherwise, I did well in school. So um, I had a lot of time on my hands. Uh, you know, that's kind of like contrary to all of my other classmates. And I was thinking, you know, how do I use this time? And uh, I was thinking, oh, uh, and then I read about these uh, Olympic games where like uh, you first compete in your school, and then the top places will compete within your city and then the province and, and nationwide. I never made it nationwide, by the way, uh, but it was very competitive. People are smart. They're, they're brilliant. Just imagine, you know, with that many people. <laughs> but, but I had a lot of fun. You know, I, I met a lot of brilliant people, uh, some of which I still kept in touch with.
2: Richard, this is Rich. I know it says Sydney there, but that's my daughter. Um, how are Were there fans at the Olympic uh, uh, events? Like, could I could I come and cheer you on as a man? <laughs> no,
3: Star. No. Yeah, it's all uh, well when when they're when they're actually going to international Olympics like national uh-huh. olympics I I I suppose they're um you know uh, you you can you can be a bystander like uh, purchase a ticket or something, but yeah. no. You know, it's not like arena or anything like that. <laughs> Mainly, it's a very quiet room that people are like, people are fighting with their pencils and <laughs> papers. What
0: like, yeah. what, is, uh, what are some of the events like? Are you given complex problems to solve on the spot and then you have to work it out in front of people?
3: yeah I was uh when i was when I was a teenager, I was very competitive in the uh, in these academic uh, arena. so I actually compete in uh, mass Olympics, physics, Olympics, uh, chemistry and optics uh, my My best thing was optics where like I was sort of like the number ten china wise um, <laughs> so we are fly out we're, I'll fly out to a city. Uh, I was so poor that I took the train, uh, and it's like 48 hours, you know, just sitting. Uh, and, um, so, uh, so we're, we're in, in this big, um, you know, auditorium where like there are different formats. There's, um, there's just, uh, you know, testing per se, you know, where everybody gets the same question. And then there's also like a, who wants to be a millionaire sort of, uh, competitions where like, Oh, really? Yeah, each province sort of. See, I, I want to see that. that.
2: I want to go to that. Yeah, I want to okay. be in the audience for that. Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> 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 you just can show yeah. up with a sign with the pie symbol yeah, yeah. on it.
1: Of
2: course,
0: yeah. <laughs> she will definitely bet on
2: it.
1: Yeah, I'll bet on. Oh <laughs> <no>. yeah,
2: <laughs> we didn't oh, get yeah I that. Mean, the futures, <laughs> the on these guys will go crazy. I like the guy in the e-shirt right there.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> electronic like trading.
2: Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs>
3: But there, there was a guy from my same province who was like number two place. I was number 10. So he was on the stage. I wasn't, but he adopted the tactics of not answering any question. And then, you know, he's like, I'm going to take a nap. And then by the time I wake up, I'll be the top place. Cause you know, they would just uh, kill each other. And then he'll, he'll maintain the base points. And then he woke up. He was the last place. So
1: <laughs> it didn't <work> out. Yeah. <laughs> What
3: did they do to him? Bad, bad strategy. No, he just, uh, he was too shy to, uh, like you compete for speed and accuracy. Right. And then, you know, it's a, it's a very brutal game. Like if you answer wrong, you, de- you know, your points get deducted. And, um, but if you're the, f- if the if you're always answering, you know, the first to answer and then it's always correct. And then it's just, the points just explodes. And it's a, it's a very competitive environment. And, um, I had a lot of fun competing and uh, just making friends uh, mainly just getting getting to know a lot of smart boys and girls so I finished college when I was nineteen and I applied for uh, grad school in the in the u s and the u k and uh and went into MIT. I was nineteen year old and um you know, right before the school semester starts, a bunch of grad students just rounds up and you know decide to hit some bars in Harvard in Harvard Square. So off we went and we walk up to Harvard Square and uh they need to check driver's license. So uh I, I stood out for the entire evening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you First of all, I didn't have a driver's license, but second of all, <laughs> I was nineteen at the time. So, uh,
2: and you were the bunch no of graphic IDs uh, being made up there in MIT. Yeah,
3: well, I, I'm sure if I try hard enough, I can <laughs> probably, I can probably find some ways to uh, to make some. But it was fun, you know. MIT was fun. People were brilliant, smart, um, nerdy. Uh, I, I, I myself was a you know big nerd uh, up till this day. So. Um, <laughs>
1: You're not, you're not anymore. Um, So you never were. So before we launch into high frequency trading, let's, let's set the stage a little bit for the, for the raw, especially because, you know, for the people who are new to this sport of of trading, um, especially on an, on any electronic trading platform, uh, e-broker platform, but especially Robinhood. Mm -hmm. Imagine Richard. So you're trading, you're 20 years old and you just started buying stocks and maybe buying options and you're trading and the guy you're trading against is Richard. Imagine Richard, but Richard being evil. Like that's, that's the landscape. That is who these guys have brought you in to trade with. So when you're trading, a lot of times the guy on the other end who ends up doing what he needs to do has the same qualifications as Richard in mathematics and programming and, and all the, you know, so well, our friend Matt Taibbi wrote an article on Robinhood uh, last week. Um, you know, Matt, and a lot of people say is like what they're doing is they're bringing in the minnows. The minnows are the the new the newbies coming to trade stocks and options, and they're putting them in with the sharks. And it's it's a you know minnow meet shark. You kind of know what's going to happen. So, Richard, just can you take us through? Because I find it fascinating. Just just take us through from the time that. Um, someone puts an order in on Robin, on any of their platforms to buy Tesla. Mm -hmm. What happens? Okay, so your trading platform, E-Trade, whatever, has the order. What Mm
3: -hmm. happens? Yeah. Uh, What happens was that uh, any number of things could happen within a split second. And then, you know, I'm talking about like the order of magnitude a few milliseconds. Um, What happens is that the retail brokerage, usually they don't actually have a market-making operation. So uh, in which case they will actually route out uh, these uh, retail investors' orders to a market maker. And in particular cases, uh, you know, in Robinhood, it's industry norm uh, that people pay for order flow. So, you know, the market makers each will compete for these retail order flow in order to make markets because... A um, meno, <laughs> was that was that the word? Um, yeah. yeah,
1: retail. Copy. little fish. You can little, little fish.
3: Little yeah, the, the little fish, the, the mama and papa money, and um, the, the the retail investors. Uh, number one, you know, they the the speed that they receive information is usually slower. And uh, usually almost through some biased filter, uh, you know, I'm thinking about some TV stations, I won't pronounce their names and, or letters, but, um, you know, I have, you know, I actually have a strategy that says, you know, whenever a certain TV station says buy this stock, I sell this stock and mm-hmm. I line up with a sharp two ratio, uh, you know, winning strategy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we like We think alike, we like to do that. But I you, always
2: look for somebody's like, best bet of the day and really focus on it and say, that's a good one to sell.
3: But if somebody does put in a marketable limit order or market order, somebody really dying uh, to to long certain stock or short certain stock, and they don't care the price of execution, those are the bread and butter for retail uh, market makers. Uh, any number of things can happen with a retail market maker. Number one, if I don't like that guy's particular, you know, it, let's say I purchased this order flow, but there are a number of orders that I don't like, uh, that I actually think is smart, <laughs> that I don't want to trade against. So I will actually say, you know, pass through, you know, let let me just route this order right to the market, right to other guys. Okay. the exchange that the exchange? Uh, okay. Without to the me. exchanges, yeah, to the exchanges, or or I just say I, do, I don't want to touch it, you know. So you keep it, uh, you keep it, you find a way. Um, but yeah, most likely, if I already purchase a flow, then I'll ride out to exchanges, to dark pools, to people that I have connectivity. Oh, Richard, with. can you
1: explain the so the exchange like versus a dark pool? Just just so everybody, yes. knows, what what is a dark pool?
3: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, DARPA is a relatively um, new concept that exists in the U.S. equity market for less than twenty years. So, I joined the street in two thousand and two, and at that time, electronic trading was just about booming. Nasdaq already have a had an electronic platform. It's like an electronic order matching. It's not a full-blown exchange. Uh, NYSE still occupies, at the time, you know, 80% of the liquidity, but it's divided half and half. Half of the liquidity happens in PIT and half electronically. You know, NYSE was, at the time, rolling out uh, the protocol called uh, Direct Plus, where, like, you can send in an order, but always less than, you know, uh, 1,100 shares. So, you know, people will be routing, you know, a thousand shares or ten ninety nine shares. Um, so um, wait, wait a minute. Why am I talking about this? Uh, so, so, yeah, but but then uh, you know, then the regulation uh, just. Uh, loosens up uh, it just says you know you know you know banks can have can have dark pools you know anybody can establish a dark pool as long as you trade within the displayed best bid and best offer and you can have exchanges so so th- there start to be multiple uh, market centers each with their order book and each competes with NYSE and NASDAQ. And then what happens is that you know people, you know people who has uh, the capital will have to uh, will have to aggregate all these quotes in order to obtain the national best bid and national best offer. And no, they can be on very different exchanges. Yeah. And then the very f- best bid can occur in several different exchanges too. So we're actually in a very fragmented market where there are, 20 different display venues that you can trade and there are 20, 30 different dark pools. And what's, dark, what's a dark pool is that it's, it's basically a order match engine that has to match within the national best bid and offer, uh, equal, equal or within, uh, but you have to put out a print when you actually do the match. So, so what's called, the, the dark nature is not in its trades. Any trade is already is still published, is still printed, but it's the orders are dark. You know, there's no order book for, for dark pools. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like leverages up on whoever is displaying their order book, um, knowing that you know the Reg and MS will require they have to trade within the best uh, bid and best offer. So now, uh, now, so if I'm a retail market maker, I receive an order. And a retail market
1: maker. Let's we've talked about Citadel before. So they're the they're right.
3: the biggest. The
1: C- Citadel, right. the,
3: the Citadel's uh, of the world, um, uh, the geckos of the world. Um, and uh, w- what happens is that um, they will have they will run their own models to say to see if it's an order that they want to match against. So they can't if it's an order that they want, they will match against it. Uh, they will just you know. Boom, match against it, put, put out a print, you know, to the to the tape, and that's it. You know, that's that the order is done. Now, what happens if the order is actually in the same direction that they want to trade? You know, let's say I'm a retail market maker. Uh, I'm a citadel of the world, and I want to buy IBM at this time. And I, I happen to be short inventory, so it helps me in both ways. Reduces my inventory, it has, carries a positive alpha, you know, I think it will go up. Um, the model thinks, so, and I receive a buy order from the retail uh, order flow. What happens is that now I actually have as a retail market maker with the infrastructure that I have that's co-located with the exchanges, I do have the option of trade in front of this guy, not necessarily all the way in front. I can match a hundred shares first, and then I will then. You know, buy out all the offers on the display market, move the market one minimum grid higher or two minimum grid higher, and then I will be offering on the other side a few ticks higher, knowing that this retail uh, person is dying to own the stock, you know, regardless of how much price that he can own the stock with. So, what happens is that you will notice on the tape the levels get boom, 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 boom. Print it a few levels up, and then some retail guys trade with the offer. That's a few levels
0: higher. Richard, just correct me if I'm wrong. I'm I'm the dummy here. So you have the knowledge coming in that there's a big retailer that wants to buy a stock at a certain price. So you say, okay, I'm going to buy it at that price or lower. And then somehow you know that that price is going to go up a little bit more? so you can sell it to that person who you know wants to buy it?
3: Right. Um, yeah, uh, yes. And then you know, <laughs> okay. let, me take a, let me take a step back and then you know, just put some numbers. <laughs> so so let's, say, let's say I'm not even a retail market maker, but I'm a high-frequency high trader, but there are two types of high-frequency traders. There's a high-frequency trader who lifts liquidity, and then there's a high-frequency trader who provides liquidity. So if I'm I'm a uh, liquidity taking high frequency trader and then somehow the, the way I decide whether I want to buy whether I'm going to exhaust certain levels on the display market meaning I buy the, to, buy them all clear buy clear. them all yeah it has to do with my model first of all you know I do I want to be long do I want to be short but second of all I, I also have all these sitting orders out there in those dark pools, okay? And then I'm sniffing whether somebody is matching with me on a certain side of the market. Let's say I really want to buy, but I'm going to put out a few hundred shares, a few shares on a dark pool on the passive side. And then if, let's say, two of my dark pool sitting order, two shares, got matched at the same time, it sends a signal to me that there is a there's an aggressive buyer in the market most likely a retail investor somebody sending a market order okay
0: i kind of understand that yeah
3: right and then what what i'm then my next course of action is if there's only 100 shares on the display market i'm just going to lift that 100 shares and then i'm going to offer those 100 shares a penny higher so so if the best bid is $20 the best offer is 20.01 only with 100 shares, because I have the speed advantage, I will exhaust those 20.01, which means now all the dark pools have a very different uh, system of reference. Now all the dark pools are looking at a 20 bid and 20.02 offer. And then, by the way, I'm also going to be offering out 20.02. The game can be played so many different ways. You know, I, I do have a long, but then I do have a target price, let's say. You know, that's one or two ticks higher in the next couple of minutes. Right. And then that's, right. I'll be very happy to sell two ticks higher, but I wouldn't be happy to sell one tick higher, let's say. And then I'm also monitoring those markets. I'm seeing which stock that only has 100 shares on the best bid or best offer side. And then I can be very quick in uh, in adjusting my sitting orders to say if so- certain sides are lean, let's say you know IBM only has 100 shares on the offer, then I'm gonna put out two shares in dark pools with those offer. When those are lifted, I'm gonna hit on that 100, <laughs> that 100 share that's on the display market and I'm gonna yeah. offer back out. Um, so, but I want to just uh, take a step back and say, you know, not all high frequency uh, players are evil. There are you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're definitely people who are playing such a game that's called latency arbitrage. That they're basically playing the game, um, they're taking advantage of their uh, short latency, um, you know, compared to a retail uh, investor's long latency to say, you know, you know I, I'm totally fine. as long as I trade with that guy, I fulfill two shares of my obligation, then I'm no longer illegal. okay? I, I can do whatever I want to do. I, I happen to be wanting to buy those display markets. you know, it may have nothing to do with what I see from the retail retail order flow. Um, it's a justification. But there are also high frequency guys who are liquidity providers. so you know they're they're high frequency guys who are saying, I want the top of the speed to be the first guy to establish a certain price level.
1: But what the, what, what the citadels of the world will tell you is that we provide, you remember Richard said liquidity providers, liquidity takers, we provide so much liquidity to the market because we're, we're big and we, we make markets all day long and that helps the market. And that actually makes trading more efficient. A lot of what goes on really in the, let's call it the, 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 um, the evil HFT versus the benign HFT, mm-hmm. um, is it, it actually, why through things like front running, getting in front of you because I have a speed advantage, lifting all the offers and then selling to you a penny or two, that's inefficient. That's making markets, making markets wider. Um, so that's, and that's been a big battle because when you tell people this and you talk to them and they go, how is this possible? Like, how is this still going on? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is that people don't, don't understand it. Um, or they don't care. But the reality is, is that when you scoop a couple of pennies on billions of you know dollars of trades every day or every week, it adds up to a, a ton of money. Um, and it adds up to, The Robin Hood, which is really, um, you know, and this is the bad part about it is you, I'm convinced that Robin Hood understands the two guys who founded Robin Hood completely, utterly understand how this all works. They're Richard. And what they've done is they've said, how do we get the most minnows and guppies into the pool that, and then make the compensation structure that we get paid by the Citadels the best? Like, one thing, and uh, there's there's not just front running, and this, and I don't know if this is good or bad, um, but uh, trend tracing, as we've we've spoken about, Richard. So think about what what, what the what the high frequency trading firms do is they build algorithms that essentially say they look for the tendency. just think about Facebook or think about Google, where they. I have a particular, this is what I like to buy. This is what I like to look at. This is, And they get all that information. And then they figure out, okay, there's a million Erics out there. There's 10 million Erics out there. That becomes a cohort. And now we have a good idea what, what those people are going to do. Well, a lot of the trend tracing, that's what that does. But at least Facebook, as far as we know it, doesn't see what I like. I want to buy a set of golf clubs and then buy the golf clubs before me and then sell it to me 100 dollars higher they they haven't, they haven't done that yet <laughs> but that's what a lot of, that's what a lot of these firms are doing and so now think about robin hood and what you've heard and, and, and just you, you people who are trading on it it <laughs> is highly highly concentrated in a particular cohort those are young people young mostly mostly men um, who trade particular stocks in a particular way, in a particular size, the information that they're getting just by buying the order flow, even sometimes if it doesn't fit them, like Richard said, they may not want it all routed through. They're seeing all that activity, and they're seeing what what that cohort does, and that feeds into their trend tracing algorithms. They become like a Google and a Facebook, but a Google and a Facebook that are trading against you. They're going to figure out, hey, you know, Aaron's going. To, Aaron's. I, I think Aaron or the million Aarons out there are going to want to buy this stock, and so they'll just jump in ahead of you. And they may be hundred milliseconds, they may be three seconds in front of you, and you'll never know the difference.
2: And let me interject. The, the think about when, like Eric was touching on it a little bit there, where he goes and buys Tesla, and he doesn't really mind. Think about all that discussion, and I'm sure Richard could go on and on and on and on about how things get built for speed, but think about how important it is to make a price that is so, like, on spot, like a tick, right, for these larger institutions. A tick is so important, and for you beginners out there, and intermediate guys too, and even advanced guys – Think about that every time you put in an order and you're like, oh, I, I didn't get it here. I got it here. I got it here. I got it there, whatever. And with everybody doing that, that order flow adds up. The high-frequency guys or whomever, the, the Robin Hoods who sell out to Citadel, they're making tons of money on them, tons of money. I mean, we talked about it in the past, but like Citadel's check to Robin Hood every year is amazing, right? So, like, think about that when you're trading, like on any platform, you pick on Robinhood, but on any platform, it's like, well, you know, maybe I should have gotten for a nickel less. Maybe I should, that's all right. I only bought a few shares. What the hell? And the beauty of that for those institutional traders, market makers, is if they have you and they have millions of others like you, that all adds up. So, it's, it's really stacked to make it so that it's not so egregious and so you don't quit, right? They don't want you to quit, right? They, 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 you can be pissed off, you can whatever, but, but okay, I probably should have got it for a nickel less. That's all right, that's all right. So I have a few accounts, not with Robinhood. I do have a Schwab account, and the new thing they do there, I'll trade a lot of options. Um, they'll, which I laugh at, They'll put in once you execute. They'll show you the bid offer, and then if they get you done at a certain good price, they will say something. I think it says like dollars saved, dollars saved. Like we saved you a bunch of money because you didn't have to pay that full price. And it's like you damn right, I didn't have to pay that full price because I wasn't going to. But some people will, you know. Some people will just lift. You know, let, let me have it. I need to have it right now. Give it to me and. But I think that's, that's a little shady, too. Like, you didn't save me money. Like, like you, you saved me money in the context of the market that you showed me. But was right. that the real market? And as we, we just heard from Richard, maybe it wasn't. You know, Maybe maybe it was the real market that they showed out there. But if there were two shares here and 100 shares here and 1,000 shares here, that's where the real market is. Now, Richie, just it's a great point because, and again,
1: you know what? We're going to pick on Robinhood because, it, you know, th- there's a lot of problems with Robinhood. <laughs>
0: Plus, you got to win that bet with your son.
2: Right. Just look at the whole Jared, the whole Jared issue to work out. Um, hey, Eric, you got to tell him about our conversation yesterday when this broke out. This is funny. <laughs> oh. <laughs> with the Massachusetts. Uh, so the state yeah, of Massachusetts yeah. comes out yeah. and says Robin Hood is being investigated. And right. we're talking back and forth, and we know what they are. Because had just told me before, just an hour before, that Robin Hood has now approved zero date. Options, which mean the same day expiration. Yeah. So, of course, my comment to Eric there was, "Well, isn't the casino more fun?" Like, what, why, <laughs> like, Tesla, Tesla's going up today, or it's going down. I have one day, like a few hours. It's got to go my way, or I lose. Right? right? If it goes my way, I win. But this right. is what they are offering now. Yeah. So it's like the casino has to be better. So, we. An hour later, he tells me this, and I go, "What did the state of Massachusetts?" get them for not running a you know running a casino without a license like like what what that's what it sounded like and yeah it's like, that's what they that's basically what it was yeah I mean so
1: exactly and and um like Richie's talking about um what all of the and this is robertrickgard which is just incredible so they were fined by finra um 1.25 million dollars at the end of 2019 because if you're gonna if you're going to sell every, if you're going to sell order flow to Citadel and Wolverine and Susquehanna and, and, the, and the like, um, you have to sh- at least show me. And I know, Richie, it, it's funny. Like, yeah, it's the best, the best. Well, stocks, not options. So the stocks you have to show me what percentage got the the national best bid best offer NBBO, and what they all put out is we got you the NBBO NBBO all of our clients, 98% of the time. That's what TD Ameritrade, that's what, uh, and Schwab now, uh, that's what ETrade um, has to put out. And uh, that's what uh, what Robinhood should have been putting out. They weren't doing it. They weren't mm-hmm. even telling you if you were getting the national, which is like, why that only, and they don't know, they're only, they started doing it. This is funny. So they, so they start, as far as I know, started doing it in 2020. And, what they did is everybody else says we got you the national best bid, best offer, ninety eight percent of the time, and we got you a price improvement of that ninety eight. We got ninety six percent of the time we got you, we got you inside of that national bid. So we we got you a price improvement. So what Robin did is they came out and said, "Hey, the first I, I remember, and this this has disappeared by the way from the website. <laughs> we got we got you nest, national best bid, best offer, eighty nine percent of the time. Yeah." It's like okay, so you're you're getting paid the most and you're doing the worst for all the other three guys. But then they came out and they 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 got rid of that. And the third quarter it says, "Hey, we got you ninety seven and a half percent. We got you national best bid, best offer, or better." Where's the where's the for better part? They never gave it. They just said we got you. So for all you know, yeah, we we kind of like if we're showing you eighty that percent, that means we're, we're we're clobbering you, right? But if they say, well, we get you, we get you ninety seven percent of the time, but they're not telling you that they get you a pro- or better eighty percent of the time or ninety percent of the time. It's it's not meaningless, but it's a it, it it's a lot less meaningful than what the other guys put out. And this is really important because. Remember Richard said that, you know, it, when, when, um, when the Citadels of the world get the order, they, pay, if they don't want it, they, they, they send it off. They don't want it, right? Well, if you keep doing that to E-Trade or you keep doing that to TD Ameritrade Schwab, eventually your, your statistics are going to go down, right? And, and, and TD Ameritrade Schwab and E-Trade are holding Wolverine and Citadel accountable, right? If you're, if you're giving my clients shitty execution, and Schwab is doing much better than I am. I'm not, you know, I'm not. I'm not selling you the order flow. You got to do better. Well, if you're Robinhood and you're not holding them accountable, <laughs> it's a free option. All the, I don't suffer by getting you crappier execution, and that in and of itself is why I believe why Robinhood gets paid so much more for that. Well, one of the big reasons why they get paid so much more for their order flow than the other than the other guys get paid.
2: What Eric is saying there, all you Robin Hood people, is they get paid the most because you're the dumbest traders on the block. Their <laughs> clients are the dumbest traders. That's why they get paid the most. If you were smart guys, they wouldn't pay so much. Citadel wouldn't pay so much for your book of business. Just Which keep mind the next time you're telling everybody how much money you made in Tesla. Yeah, and that's and, and that's why we,
1: we get we, we, we come down hard on Robin Hood, um not as hard, and people a lot of people just come down hard. You know what? Honestly, now that uh you know this is a, this is a company that Goldman Sachs is gonna bring bring public they think in the first quarter of two thousand so the next three months. They're talking about this company being worth twelve billion dollars, which is about a little about as much as e trade was bought out by Morgan Stanley for. So think about their franchise. And remember, this is the franchise that doesn't believe in having a customer support staff on home when, you know, when, you, when, the, when the server goes down or 2,000 accounts get hacked. That franchise, that's it. It's the order flow. It isn't anything else because they don't do better. They, they, again, your account gets hacked. You, 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 who do I send an email to? Because no one's taking care of it, you know. They, they fuck up and, and a kid gets gets the wrong statement and, and commits suicide because he thinks he, he lost seven hundred thousand dollars sorry okay um, so now that you've learned how to trade and you're learning okay get off go somewhere else gotta to, go to you know you figure out I'd rather pay a, I'd rather pay a fee than know that just that, that someone's getting over on me because that's what's happening you they're getting over on you and you know what? If you add it up, like Richie said, at the end of the year, you can figure out you pay two thousand dollars, you know, uh, in, in 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 what they do versus you would have paid six hundred dollars maybe for you know in, in, in trading fees. So again, you know, there's a, there's a reason why we come down hard on these guys. And and remember, these sharp VC capital guys, or VC guys in Silicon Valley, are going to make a lot of money when when E Trade goes public. I'm sorry, not when when Robinhood goes public. And they're making that
2: money off of you. Somebody told me that they're starting to like do like Amazon when you buy like pet food for your dog and they put at the bottom. Amazon puts like orders like that. People have also bought this. I heard they're starting to do that on Robinhood. Like You bought, you bought Apple. It's like there's other companies that do the same thing like Samsung. You might want to buy that. And, like, that's the worst thing, in my mind, if you're a long-term <laughs> investor. Like, yeah, let me put all my eggs in that basket. That that, right. that sounds great because I know if things crash, uh, I'll be great. Oh, wait, I won't. I'll be down in everything. And I, you know, I, I got to you know, check that out. I got to find out that's true. And you
1: don't need a, a billion-dollar high-frequency trading system to, 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 to capitalize off of that. No. <laughs> Is what they're recommending. Buy it. <laughs> yeah.
3: For new traders out there, I, I just want to say, um, if you truly want the stock right now at the moment, which I doubt that you, you know, you're in such a dying need to do so, uh, I, I would always recommend putting passive orders out there, um, you know, with a limit price. There you so go. So that, so that your order don't get, you know, your order becomes a very juicy piece of meat for the sharks when it's a market order or it's yep. a marketable limit order. So exactly. always put a passive order, put a limit price on.
2: limit. The limit price is something that you state that you want to get done at. And at the end of the day too, if you're being responsible, which you should, this teaches you a lot when you put limit orders in, it's your price. Like you pick that price. So if you get done at that price and the thing goes down, sorry, bro, that, that's what you wanted to pay. And that teaches you discipline. And it also teaches you you're not going to get hosed if that's the true price that you want to pay. Now, the, the, the flip side of that is if you do that, if you're going to put a limit order in, you better still watch what's going on. right? Because if, if, if you put a limit order in and the stock really drops in, a, in a, you know, half an hour on some news and you get done, well, you should have been around. You know, Sometimes you can get those limit orders canceled. Sometimes you can't. But you have, to, you have to understand that you have action out there that is going to be tracked, so you have to follow it and be cognizant of the fact that things do move around. But yes, the limit order is the, is the way for a retail investor to kind of beat the system, yeah. or at least play fairer.
3: Right. And, and, and a very interesting book uh, to read, you know, in case you like to read books, uh, there's a book called Flash Boys. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I don't, I don't agree with everything that the book says, but it tells a very interesting story uh, of, of what I consider a friend, uh, Brad Katsuyama, who is now the Mm -hmm. CEO of IEX. So Mm -hmm. what he did was that when he was head of trading at a certain bank, when he put out marketable orders out there prior to 2005, it used to be 100% filled, right? Like, if, you, if you're if you across the bid-ass spread to say, I'm buying the stock at the best offer, you know, oh, by the way, there's a thousand shares displayed there. So, let me put out order size of a thousand shares. He will get a thousand shares back. And then over the years, he gets less and less back. Over the years, he wound up getting 100 back, and then all of a sudden, the market, every time he put an aggressive order out there, counting the shares on the other side, you know, put that sum out, over the years, he gets like 50% down, 25% down, 10% down. He's like, what's going on? And then he figured out that, you know, he figured out the games that a latency arbitragers play in sniffing out the first fragment of his fill move the market, and then now he had to fill at a much worse price. So what he did was that he designed an algorithm that measures the latency of his orders to get to each exchange. And then he intentionally delayed those routes that are fast to to the exchange. And then, and then so he intentionally delayed his order. So all of his order arrive at these exchanges almost at the same time. So he he compensated for the latency differences between these exchanges so he came up with an algorithm called thor and which claimed to be able to fill your aggressive order like 100% of the time unfortunately you know regretfully it's a it's only a you know order that's available that it's only algorithm that's available to institutional investors um so, Call it so a speed I, bump right yeah but i e x is a is a good exchange in my in my humble opinion
1: all right. That's a great, great discussion, Richard. And again, just to, to summarize when you are trading stocks and options, there's an awful lot of things that go on from the time that you put your order in to when it gets filled.
2: And let me add a, a conspiracy theory. So Eric touched on the fact that Goldman Sachs is hustling to get Robin hood in an IPO. IPOs happen um, when companies think they're ready to go public and be accepted by many others. There's also some nefarious reasons why IPOs are done, meaning the two guys at the top that Eric was talking about that run Robin Hood, they want to cash in on their nice investment. They probably own 50% or more of those of the private stock right now. So if Eric says 12 billion is about the number they want to do, those guys can cash out for $6 billion. Okay. Keep this in mind why they're hustling. They think I mean, I'm sure there's true statistics, but they think that 90%, 90% of retail investors within Robinhood are long stock. They own the stock, or they are long call options, or even better, short put options, which is all great when we talked about in the very beginning how the market keeps making new highs. These guys at Robinhood, if the market crashes, a lot of their... Fanboys and everybody who plays in that market with them are going to be sunk. And guess what? Robinhood will be. However, however, not if they get that IPO done before the market crashes, which is why they're going to try to hustle that thing up right in January, or February, so those guys can catch out. And then they don't care what happens. I mean, it's just inevitable. And and when you hear the word Goldman Sachs, yeah, then you also pay attention because it's like, okay, we got to get this thing done because you know this market's not going to run forever. <laughs> And and you think about it again
1: because the the whole thing about the uh, you know the cohort being so concentrated with Robinhood, and then you think of these VC guys, the venture capitalists who have the stock or uh, have the company valued at right now around twelve billion. Is don't they? They got to know right that all it's going to take is one market wipeout, and that whole franchise is gone. This whole democratized trading and get the young people involved so they can get their share of America, like. It's all bullshit, but it'll all be gone. I mean, it's, it, it, there's no institutional money there. There's no, I mean, what what is it? Without without all of the the Zillennials in there, remember we got that last time, Zillennials are Generation <clears throat> Z investors. Without the Zillennials, you got a shitty app and, and no customer support. What's that worth? 12 bucks. 12 bucks, right. <laughs> so very, very good point, Richie. Now, to continue on, Shortly. I mean we we like to do a little lesson at the end of um at the at the end of the, at the end of the show. And we're glad to have Richard with his PhD on here because he could explain better than us.
0: Yeah, finally we got a smart guy on here. Yeah. A smart guy, right?
1: Come on. Uh, <laughs> put an ad out in the paper for that. So <laughs> you'll be re- disappointed. So you know, a lot of um a lot of trading goes on, uh and and I buy them and you know, and, and short them, uh exchange traded funds and exchange traded notes, ETFs. Um, there's the products out there that are leveraged, right? So I, I want to make two times the NASDAQ or I want to, you know, I want to make three times gold or, you know, like leveraged um, uh, ETFs. Now, those things are great if you have a view and you think that's going to happen tomorrow or a few days from now. If you think, if you buy those and hold them for a relatively long period of time, if your investment horizon is longer, they can be really, they, they could be a really poor investment choice. And Richard, why do you explain just the whole, you know, really simply, why, like if I buy, if I buy triple, double the NASDAQ, and I hold on to it for a month, and the NASDAQ goes up 20%, yeah. I should be up 40%, right? Because I bought it and, and I won over a month. But let's say that the NASDAQ did this. Maybe it got there, but it got there by going up and down a good amount. Right. And I don't,
3: why don't I make 40%? Yeah, so so these, um, so there's an ETF and there are the ETNs. The, the ETFs are one-on-one, uh, unlevered. So the, the ETF uh, sponsors usually own the physical uh, Whereas the ETNs usually, uh, the sponsors usually own the uh, derivatives. Future. The ETNs, the levered ETNs or the reverse ETNs, uh, inverse ETNs, what they do is um, they don't actually replicate long-term performance because who knows you know, your long-term may be different. Your long-term may be from 2002 to 2022, whereas my long-term may be from 2005 to 2008. So they can't, they can't come up with a long-term benchmark that fits everybody's need. So what they do is that, uh, you know, the the so-called lever performance is measured on a daily basis. So they try to lever, you know, let's say it's a two times S&P, uh, they try to replicate the daily returns two times of that ETF. Okay, let me give you a, let me give you a much more drastic podcast-friendly example.
2: <laughs> podcast-friendly. <laughs>
3: XYZ 100, two times XYZ 100. Okay, first day, XYZ, boom, went up twofold, 200. Now, now you're happy because your ETM went up to 400. You just made you know, three times the returns, great. Congratulations. Second day, the underlying XYZ dipped down back to 100, from 200 to 100. Your 400 goes down to zero because it's two times the 50%. 50%.
2: yeah. Yeah.
3: So so, it's, uh, so Eric was right. Richie was right. Every, everybody said, you know, if, if you want to do ETN, do it on a very, very short term basis because that's, you know, that's what you aim to do is to have short term performance replicated a few times. Uh, I don't know why you need to do that, but, uh, but it's never, ever a buy and hold strategy. It doesn't, in the long run, give you the two, two times return.
1: And, and, and Richard is, or Richie, um, or Aaron. Uh, it, it's it's been relatively recent, right? That they actually put out the disclaimer that, like, you probably shouldn't be like, you probably should. This shouldn't be a buy and hold strategy. Like, this is a, you know, this is. I, I think they put things like that out there now. Like, when you look up these ETNs and you want to see, like, they. I think there's language now that kind of tell if you want to look at it that tells you, give you an example, just like Richard gave you that essentially this thing is set up every day for that day. And it, it, so that's it, because we use, we use underlying derivatives to do this. We can only set this up to, to perform for that day. And every day is a new day. So every day they're re, they're rebalancing it. And, if you hold on to that thing and it and 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 th- there's any kind of volatility, you're not going to get what you what what you wanted. And I mean, there's been extreme cases, and I, I think it was TV. I'm trying to remember what maybe it was one oh, the, the one on the volatility at uh, the VIX X I D. Yeah, was that where? Well, that one was that was ridiculous. Yeah, that one from uh, 132 to six dollars in one day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a two timer. And if you looked over the horizon period, they did, like, the index went up 10%, and the, the ETF, ETN actually
2: lost money. Like, it, it actually was down 2% or 3%. Let me um, interject, there. to yeah. Just throw out first name that comes to your head, anybody. Um, major, major money uh, manager of retail investments. Major. Who would you think? Vanguard. Who? Vanguard. Right. Winner. How about this? Vanguard's one of the biggest. Maybe Fidelity might be Well, I think Vanguard is the biggest now, right? They certainly have that that uh their their S&P 500 fund I think is is the biggest fund, right? Yeah. Trillion. They do not allow their investors to buy leveraged ETFs. Put that one in your sock and think about it, right? Like seriously, like the biggest Retail investor isn't allowing you to use the freaking product. Like, shouldn't that send bells off? Like, I wonder why they did that. What? Because they make more money by not selling you product? No. They're trying to (laughs) save you from blowing up. Right. Yeah. So they don't even allow it.
1: So think about them versus the our, our punching bag. I mean, it's the complete opposite, right? Oh, they, it's complete opposite. Looking out for, they're playing the long game, which has worked out extremely well for them. That we we, we would like our investors to be around for a long for a long time. Versus, you know, uh, and Richie, it's it's a great point. It's, it's it's it is. It's take the money and run. They they see this thing coming to an end. This is the Robin Hood part. We get, getting back, get one last shot in on them. And they, 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 are all going to grab that money and get the hell out of there before before it blows up before
2: the posse comes. And um, to, to go back to that point, Vanguard being one of the oldest as well, uh, retail investor places, can you buy Vanguard stock? No, you can't. It's a private company, private company. So they've never decided to cash in when they manage four trillion dollars. Right. So like that should tell you something as well. Okay, so yeah, so just
1: to reiterate on these, on, um, on when you see whether inverse, meaning it goes the, uh, the other direction, or whether or whether you want to buy a two times, three times levered, um, I, 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 we would stay away from those products. Um, if you're going to do it, then it's got to be today, bro. It can't be next week or next month. It's got to be happens today or it doesn't happen. Wow. Um,
0: I have a lot of notes on my paper. here. A lot. I have a lot of work to do here.
2: Did you, uh, Aaron, did you open a Robinhood account yet?
0: No, I did not, no. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to stay away. It's, what I gather is that this is a cash grab.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, did you at least buy United Rentals or any, URI or any of the, you know?
0: No, but uh, um, I am actually going to put some dough into the Ameritrade account at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, probably in the new year. And uh, just ride Richie's wave on all his stock recommendations.
2: Like I was saying before, you know, there are some stocks that people are, are definitely high on. But there, there's I've talked to some pretty sharp folks who are pretty bullish. Like they are still like because of what happened in uh, September, October ish, when tech stocks kind of like slowed down a bit and, and things went into like companies that actually make money and make things. <laughs> like a, a cyclical trade that's very healthy for the broader market when lots of different guys can h- contribute. Cause for a while there, and it's still high, you know, five stocks control, you know, 25% of the S and P 500. And that's, that's not healthy. Right. That can go kaboom in a hurry. But there are a lot of people that think this thing will change with this vaccine and, you know, people getting back to work and things kind of turning around and interest rates being low So we'll see. I mean, we watch it all the time, but it's not going to be shocking to me, let's put it that way, if if we run again, another bunch.
3: Yeah, Mm.
0: it's certainly a lot to think about. And Richard, we definitely want to thank you for joining us here today.
3: It's great to be with you guys. Much appreciated, man. We'll see you back next week.
0: Yes, sir. We'll see you next week uh, right here on Monkey Business.
1: Okay. And if we don't, Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa,
3: New Year.